friends, welcome back to another very special episode of the Film Alchemist Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, here for a brief introduction before today's very special episode. Guys, it's official. Your friends here at the uh, Film Alchemist have made it to Patreon. That's right, patreon.com slash Pod. It is the absolute best way to help the show. It's also the best way to make sure that you're getting the show that you want and deserve for as little as a dollar a month. And I assure you guys, every single dollar does help. You can get in, meet our awesome community, see some of the cool stuff we're working up over there for you. And as you climb the official Highlander tier ranking system, very, very scientific, you can actually begin to select the specific films that you want to hear us talk about in a patron exclusive library guys it's been so much fun building this we hope that you'll come join our already amazing group of patrons it means the world to us that you guys support us as much as you do and for those of you who are about to support us thank you as well uh love all around guys you guys really make us feel loved and supported thank you all right go to youtube subscribe to our channel film alchemist you can see video versions of most of our talks there as well as some other ideas that we're cooking up for you over there. So stay tuned. Make sure you subscribe. You can email the show, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. You can find us on all the social media you're on. We're very easy to get a hold of, and we love to hear from you guys. Also, make sure wherever you're listening, give us a five-star rating and a review, a couple sentences while you like the show. Helps us defeat the algorithmic overlords that have been oppressing us in the show. So thank you guys for all you do to support us. Right, let's get to the show. Our final uh, stop on the uh, the memory train through Longbox Session, me and Alex's very first podcast. It became more and more clear to us that the podcast we really wanted to do was this show, the Film Alchemist Pod. We love talking about movies. And one of our favorite movie talks we had while we were at the Film Alchemist was on The Crow, a movie that has become iconic both for how amazingly cool it was, but also for the tragedy and the loss of Brandon Lee. This movie was enormous in my childhood. Uh, the coolness of The Crow, the world, the style, the visuals, it felt magic. It was one of those first shows. When me and Alex started this show, we talked about movie magic, right? Alchemy, right? Blending all these things together and getting something that is so much more indifferent than you would expect. And The Crow exemplifies that. And I think as much as it's remembered for tragedy, it's not often enough remembered for just how fucking cool this movie is. So it's always been a very important to us. It was kind of one of the shows we did. There were a couple, but this was one of the ones where it's like, this is the show, this is the podcast we really want to be doing. So not only is The Crow important to me as a film, it was important to us as podcasters, and it helped us create this show that hopefully you guys like. Hopefully you like enough to go to patreon.com slash filmalchemistpod <laughs> to support us. Um, but either way, guys, we hope that you have a great time with this. We loved our time at the long box sessions, and we also have loved our time here at the Film Alchemist. So it's been really fun to kind of go back down memory lane uh, and help us prepare for October which starts this week, guys. This week, October 1st, you will hear Child's Play, the very first film in our October Mega Marathon, uh, Descent into the Horror Abyss. 31 days, 31 horror movies, full episodes, guys. It's been a lot of work. 
We've had so many awesome movies, so many great friends have helped us get across the finish line. Make sure you go to all of our socials and you should be able to find our schedule of the full list of movies we'll be covering. I'll make a letterbox list, all that good stuff. So we just want to say thank you. We hope you guys enjoy all of the episodes. Uh, it has been tremendously fun to do this again with you guys. But before that, let's stop and kneel at the altar of... What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Long Box Sessions. I'm your host, Alex Dandino. And I'm Josh Griffey. As always, catch us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. All uh, the shit. MySpace. Awesome. Friendster. <laughs> Napster. Napster. AOL Instant Messenger. If you got those 8,000 free minutes, here's when you use them. <laughs> real player. Real the player. Ser- the search engine, dog pile. Only real, <laughs> only real player seven, though. Yeah, <laughs> all the stuff hip young kids are doing. Anyways, Game uh, Boy Color. Yes, we're all over the internet. Uh, please rate, review the show on whatever podcast app you use. Stop right now and go do it. It takes two seconds, really. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, and your patronage is always uh, yeah. welcome. Tell your friends to do it, too, or else I will haunt them after death. Foreshadowing. Oh, foreshadowing <laughs> the show today. Uh, it is... Uh, it is long box and chill time for us again here at the long box. And uh, we're really excited. This is one we've been actually like, this is really stoked to do. When we decided we were going to start doing straight movie talks, long box and chills, as it were, this movie was one of the very first. Absolutely. We got to watch this. Uh, this is probably, I mean, this is really one of the most popular 90s in car- like 90s adaptations. I think I can think of. If you distilled the worst stuff of the 90s and like put it. Into in a, Detroit. If you, <laughs> if, you, if you distilled the worst stuff of the 90s and put it in a little, like, one of those little, uh, like, uh, oh, fuck, what are they? Like the coffee cups you get in New York, the um, playing card coffee cups. Yeah. And then you brought it all the way to Detroit and let it just sit in the gutter. Ooh, there you this, go. This is the movie you'd get. Yeah. We watched The Crow. It's very, yeah, The Crow is very much like when Hot Topic first came out. Yes. Uh, and there were a lot more things that, like, attached to nipples mm-hmm. and a lot more fishnet kind There's of stuff. There's a lot, like, lot more BDSM stuff going yeah. on. Yeah. Now it's just, like, a lot of, like, old Fallout Boy t-shirts that mm-hmm. are half off. Yep. Uh, but, yeah, when Hot Topic first came out, I remember it came out with, like, there's that and Nine Inch Nails, uh, Corn with the Backwards K shirts, Gene Co's, Wallet Chains, Doc Martens. Mm-hmm. There was a real thing in the 90s that started to form this is the post-apocalyptic like Mad Max version yes. of what would happen if Hot Topic had taken us over like the government in 1984. Or just taken over one city and everyone's <laughs> just taken over one city like, we don't go there anymore. That's fine. There's just like one mall that had no stores and they're like, we'll give you a whole mall, Hot Topic. And then it just spilled out like yeah. that fucking glittery area in Annihilation. Yeah, imagine. Yeah, it's basically it's basically if the shimmer was filled with uh, Hot Topic stores. Yes. Um. Directed by Alex Proyas, 1994, Brandon Lee's last movie, R.I.P. Yeah, um, actually, I mean, everyone knows, Killed On Set. Killed On Set. Michael Massey did it. Actually, apparently, this is something that like haunted him for the rest of his life. Well, like, it should, because it's not his fault, but, right, like, but you he, can't undo that. You can't unsee yourself shooting someone by accident. I, I've read a lot of stuff about, like, how it was done and, like, everything that could be done wrong was done wrong to cause this to happen. Yeah, and just, it's fucking insanely tragic. Like, I 
obviously we want to talk about the movie. You kind of got to get this out of the way. Absolutely. Like, it's the big elephant in the room. This movie is phenomenally fun. It really is. Like, super good movie. This movie spawned three to five more shitty, terrible really movies bad of ones. The Crow. Other comics, like, The Crow is everywhere. Like, South Park even did the joke. There's always some guy who wants, to, always some guy who wants to be hot and be the crow. Nobody <laughs> show up as the crow. Like, I think in a world where, like, what if we had gotten Brandon Lee doing this, like, two or three times? Like, Can you imagine? Like, he's, his performance in this, right? Like, he was kind of the guy that just did, like, bad, like, karate movies, whatever. Yeah. He's so fucking fun to watch in this he's movie. so good. It's, it's very Heath Ledger Joker light. But it works. Like, there's kind of a madness and a funness to his yeah. performance. I mean, it's not... Uh, to think that he was doing this, and you just you see that he grew as a performer, and then that was all we got, man. Yeah. So you got this great franchise, this great fucking hero character, and, you know, that's it, man. Like, this great world. Like, this could have been a really much bigger and more important It's a franchise. hell of a franchise. Not only that, I mean, it's yeah. a hell of a start for Alex Proyas, the director, too, because from here you get Dark City, mm -hmm. which is one of my all-time favorite sci-fis, hi highly underrated. Yeah. Like, still one of the... It shocks me to this day that Dark City is still one of those movies that, like, no one's seen. Yeah. I feel like it's just you and me and maybe the ten people that are listening to the show right now that know what we're talking about. <laughs> but this is early Alex Proyas, and I, I gotta be honest, like, when I watched this movie again, and I hadn't seen it the whole way through in a long time, but everything about this movie is two things. One, quintessential 90s. Like, the way we described it up front, that is exactly how I would describe it from now on to everybody. And the second Goth thing. Goth kids get tough. Yeah. And the second thing <laughs> I think of is this is the most, like, comic book movie I think I've seen, even to this day. Like, as far as, like. More like, than Scott Pilgrim? Even more than Scott Pilgrim, because Scott Pilgrim still has the Edgar Wright style. Like, there's still this Edgar Wrightness to it. Yeah. To me, this like this movie is the fucking Crow comic book. Like, yeah. it's even the way it's shot is very the way it's shot is very staccato. It's edited very well, like in the way that you would imagine a comic book being edited. Like, anytime Eric Draven touches someone who like was involved with uh, him and his and Shelley's murder. Like, he gets these flashes, and you can just see the panels exploding in on, onto the page. You know <laughs> to me, I mean? it's just like, oh, now we're doing Alice in Chains music video. <laughs> <laughs> yes, like, there's a lot of that. Definitely. A lot of fucking 90s, like, grungy of, music videos. A lot of 90s, like, lighting techniques, too. Like, okay, just blast red light. It's fine. Like, that's, yeah. the, that's the vibe. But, like, that, to me, is what's really so amazing about the movie is this is really a pure comic book movie. And they do such a good job making me give a shit about... Because, honestly, like, this is, like, I hate to be that guy, but, like, this is, oh, no, the hot guy got uh, thrown out a window. Now he's back to Avengers Girlfriend. Like, I did write this down. I said, uh, one year, no decomp, hottest zombie ever. <laughs> like, Brand Brandon Lee is the crow, is the hottest zombie who's ever lived. Right. Like, literally no rotting. Yeah, no, he's fine. Because that's what I was like, was the crow sitting on his tombstone for a year, just like, caw, caw, yeah. like, spreading, like, Tinkerbell dust on right. him? Or? And, you know, like, there's also. Why wait a year? Oh, I don't know. Because well, that's the, here's no, the because weird it's thing. Devil's Night. But okay, so Devil's Night, not a real holiday. Not a real holiday. Even though now they make cards, the bad guy we learned started Devil's Night. Why does this ancient crow, who's had this legend about carrying souls over, and if it's really bad, it'll let you stay? Right. Why does the crow just be like, you know what? Devil's Night is a really good night for me to go on. It'd be like Swamp Thing. Like uh, I do Arbor Day now. Right. Like I'm in on that. So. <laughs> The devil, like, we just start, right? And it, it's this horrific murder, rape, 
you it's know, brutal, all this man. stuff. It's it sets you in a world like there's a lot of shots of the crow, kind of, the actual crow, right. the bird flying over this city that just looks so fucking the, horrible. The opening of that movie is the opening of a uh, fucking Blade Runner, but like a run amok. Like, yeah, remember but how actually Blade bad. Like, there's like, like no neon lights. No, it's just industrial <laughs> shit. Just like it's is like it, Detroit now. Is it supposed to be Detroit? I think it's. Detroit. I thought it was just a city. I thought that too, but I think this time I picked up on some stuff that I think it's supposed to. They said something about Motor City something at one point. Uh, I was like, I think that was a. I don't know for sure. To me, it works fine as just like, it's like the the way that like people who voted for Trump imagine Chicago. (laughs) Any fucking big city that would have crime. Like how how Devil's Night is basically just the purge. By the way, that's what I wrote. It's the purge because that's the other thing. I was like, what is the point of Devil's Night? This is kind of a big problem in the movie, right? It's like, we never quite learn what anyone's motives for anything are, right? Yeah. So this gang that murders the Dravens at the start, soon to be married. They're going to get married on Halloween. So Devil's Night is really close to Halloween, apparently. It's the night before. Right. Why? Like, at one point, they're like, oh, she was getting tenants to sign a petition. Yeah, I don't know. And you're like, but why? So you kill them, and now they won't sign the petition. Eric Draven comes back a year later, like, and it's just a dilapidated building that has no owner, right? right. So this is, my, so I was like, okay, so it's not condemned and like knocked down to build a McDonald's, right? Because I was like, it's like everywhere you go in this city is just an empty, dilapidated building. Right. Like there's no real estate value. In, this is, so Devil's Night becomes, and what we learn is that a lot of this movie it plays on a bigger level to me of just. I don't know if it's just brokenness and despair, but it's just no one in this movie seems to have any fucking reason to live at all. <laughs> and everyone is just racing to the grave yeah, or to you, put someone else there. The Crow, Eric Draven, has the best life of anyone in Detroit in this movie. Like, literally, <laughs> everyone else's life sucks. Yeah. He's like, hey, I'm back from the dead. I'm just walking around fucking people. Yeah. Like, that's that's like his whole deal. Like, to me... I think that's the other thing, too, is I actually wrote this down, too, that uh, I actually really like that it doesn't matter what Devil's Night is. Like, any of the fanfare yeah. that start, that a movie starts with, Alex Proyas does such a good job of just being like, listen, just the only thing you need to know is two people died tonight, and, like, a year later, some fucked up shit's going to happen. Like, I love that it's just, let's get to the part you want to see. If you can pull that off with the rest of the movie, making it not matter, it's a very cool trick, right? Right. To me, Devil's Night, because you're like, how does this happen? Why does this happen? Right. The movie makes this fucking city seem so fucking rotten and cancerous and horrible that you're like, the people who live there probably, on some level, enjoy seeing their parts of their city burn. Oh. There's probably a bit of catharsis where you're just like... Yeah, that eye fucking eyesore is gone. Like someday we'll all be well, gone. You know that burned. scene where uh, this is, okay, there's another thing too. This is like the wettest movie I've ever seen. Like it's just raining all the time. Like as if this place doesn't look shitty enough, then everyone has like the wet hair. You know where else they're it, falling in puddles? Like it's just a you know where else it rains town. all the time? Dark city. Hey, it can't rain every this day. This is like <laughs> well, well I just done. like Hangman Joe album. I think that might just <laughs> hang, Hangman's joke, dude. Joke. Oh, Hangman uh, Joe is a better title. Then you got a mascot like Eddie from Iron Maiden. That's true. I think that I think the raining is just sort of an Alex Proyas thing. Like, I think honestly, it's just to make Brandon Crow look way hot. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I mean, really, like the other thing too is like from an aesthetic perspective, rain on camera looks cool, and everything wet looks better. Anyways, you get a lot more interesting. Uh, 
refractions in the camera. Rain kind of thing. is a cleansing force of nature, right? So hopefully it's except for this as movie. the crow comes, he is but, cleaning out some of the riffraff. But right? this is the difference in like this is why I really think the Oh man, speaking of rain. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, it's uh it's it's raining in Los Angeles. We're trying to figure out if we're gonna uh, Oh, it's cool. Every time it rains, my apartment just leaks. Yeah. As if no contractor in LA but, like, knew about this rain. This is sort of the thing I like about the way Alex Proya structures the rain itself. Because it doesn't it rains a lot. It doesn't rain needlessly though. Like to me, instead of it being this cleansing force, like and I've seen that in other movies, instead of being this cleansing force almost makes things messier like it almost makes things worse a lot of the time and i think that's what's really cool is everything's dirty like my favorite part of one of my favorite parts of the movie is after he blows up gideon's pawn shop people are literally just walking over and grabbing tvs and walking them out and i was just like the cops just like jesus christ ernie ernie hudson's like hey don't do that yeah fuck it just do whatever you want i don't care like that's (laughs) that's really kind of like where it comes from but this movie just has such style. And another thing too is like the rain like makes this what I would call like living comic panels in the movie like pop. Is the rain gives it that shine, like that digital effect that you'd normally find on a comic panel. Like things are popping visually for people. And I think that's what really makes this movie fascinating visually. Because otherwise it's just a dark movie uh with a hot guy running around killing people. And nobody needs to see that. Like Yeah, but I mean, this is the interesting. As of thing, 1994, right? we already had plenty of those. Movies. Yeah, it's it's just it's a movie that just fucking sits in despair a lot. Yeah, and again, the villains all just seem like mad anarchist and sadist, right? I think the ra- and, and the yeah. Dravens are the only one who are shown having kind of any decency, right? Like er, even Ernie Hudson, divorced, like things not good. But the Dravens, you know, like he was romantic. He, was he would have like 500 fucking witch spell candles around to like he propose. A, he was in a super dope band. They Hangman's were in a band. Joke. Yeah. He uh, took care of that little girl whose mom's a junkie. Yeah. So there's this destruction of the only beautiful thing we see in the movie is that. And they fucking destroy it for seemingly no reason. <laughs> little to no reason. Right. So we get some of that. And then, you know, so the intro is a lot of that. Right. Murder. Mm-hmm. Awakening. Like you said, the crow. His interesting set of abilities, right? It's almost as he's learning his powers, he has to be retortured. Yeah. Right? No, that's exactly what everything, it is. right? Um, but then we are introduced to the gang, right? And there's this great opening in the bar. Are you talking about the bullet thing? The bullet shot. Because <laughs> I said, this may be like the dumbest kind of tough guy thing, but it says a lot about these guys, right? Yeah. So they eat a bullet and wash it down with whiskey, point guns at each other like they don't give a fuck. And then they're just doing drugs and, like, getting ready to hump this really fucking homely-looking meth waitress <laughs> or heroin waitress. And you're like, yes, I understand exactly who these guys are, right? All the bad guy character names, by the way, are amazing, like, two-word names. Like, yeah. Tintin, fuck Fun Boy. Boy. Yeah, oh, Fun Boy. I thought it was Fuck Boy. And, like, <laughs> Michael like Michael Wincott, the big bad guy, is uh, Top Dollar. <laughs> yeah, Top dollar. Isn't like, one of them like Worm or something? The last guy who I lived. think the last guy to die is Worm or something like that. But it's it's funny because it's just these, these fucking characters that are pure madness, right? And to yeah. me, they're hard to pull off, right? Because this movie's full of people that are evil only for the sake of being evil. Mm-hmm. They don't seem like they're financially better off. There's no quality of life. The so o- this isn't like, a oh, I'm making gangster-ass yeah. money. I'm living a high life. Like They're still in the shittiest bar that's The only lived. bad guy who seems to realize there's better life to live is the Candyman, who's like the sidekick right. for Michael Wincott. I'm like, he knows what's going on. Right. He's kind of dressing nice. He's dressed whatever. nice. He's trying to get He's the fuck the out. He's the right-hand man. So we meet this lowly crew, and you're like, they're just so fucking... 
But what I love is that all the actors in this movie are great. Yes. They get so much fucking run and kind of a character like that, right? It's almost like the crew from RoboCop. Yeah. Where it's like they're very two-dimensional nonsense, but this crew brings something extra to it that I think is hard to quantify. I just think they're better, right? Like, I like these dudes, and they bring a a crazy, fun energy. And then we go and we meet the actual bad guy, right? Yeah. Uh, Fucking the the longest, straightest hair, dresses like a fucking musketeer uh, vampire. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's one of the great intros, right, where they walk into the room, so we learn right away he's fucking his sister. Yeah. His sister is an Asian lady, even though he's not Asian. Necess- or wait, he, he they had the same dad, I think. I don't They're know. half relatives. Uh, I couldn't stop looking at her lips. He has a room of swords, mind, right? Yeah, room of swords. Like he opens up a closet and it's just literally swords. Yeah. It's like <laughs> that one guy who like was at Hot Topic buying an outfit and then he turned around and there happens to be the knife store in every yeah, mall. Like, that. And he's like, this will complete my cool sexy guy routine. <laughs> So he's got like a closet or whatever. They come back. She talks about, you know, this thing she has with the eyes, right? Like, I love her eyes. She pops this girl's eyes out after you find out, I think we broke her. Yeah. Like, they were just fucking her and she died somehow during fucking. And immediately you're like, holy fuck. Yeah. (laughs) This is gross. What's going on? Seriously fucked up people. Yeah. Like, the guys, like, like Michael Wincott and his sister in this movie make. The like gang who murdered and raped Shelly and killed Eric Draven seem like, well, at least they have a purpose here. Like these guys are just psychotic for the hell of it. Like it is weird but how what psychotic you learn, they are. They are psychotic seemingly for the fuck of it. Because again, yeah. they have like the weird like supervillain lair, but well, their lives don't seem great well, or better. And you right? find out Top Dollar was the guy who created Devil's Night. Like that yeah. whole thing. Like that's kind of the thing. You're like. So this really is about maintaining anarchy. Like, it, but no, that's what he even says, yeah. right? He hates that it got co-opted, right? Yeah. Like, his final plan is he's like, I want a fire so fucking big it burns everything. Yeah. Right? Because he, he seemingly only exists to destroy, right? Mm-hmm. So when he fucks, it's to murder, not to create life, right? Yeah. Like, uh, they're small things, but it makes him this interesting sinister force, right? Like, even during the bullet shot scene. The fucking fuck boy or fun boy, whichever one, the guy who dies in the car. Right. When he puts his cigar out on his tongue, he already has other burns. Yeah, he's so been like, doing that. He might have done that already tonight. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not like over the top where it's like one intimidation factor. <laughs> it's like, oh, he just does that. Yeah. All he's just time. crazy. He's just a nut. And this cast, right, are really fun to watch go down. Oh, yeah. Um, And even the guy who runs the pawn shop, what's his dinner? Fucking what's that actor's name? Um, he's in the Big Lebowski. Yeah, too. he's in all kinds. John Polito, that's who. It is. Yeah, John he's Polito. in Highlander. Like he's yeah. great. He's a great actor. He's always great, right? Yeah. He's the closest person to a real human being in this movie. Yeah, because that kind of shitty pawn store guy who's just making money off of all this terrible stuff mm-hmm. exists. Yeah, right. Um, only to get fucking stabbed in the throat. <laughs> yeah, but we just. The, the bad guy performances, while there's not a lot to them, they don't have... I would say that they they fail the villain test because there's no reason for why they're doing it. They definitely don't think they're good people. No, they, like, love, they don't have the bad guys no, who think they're good guys. these guys love being bad guys. Yeah, they're just fucked up for the sake of it, right? And so then you start thinking, is this like a Gotham thing, right? Like, this city is so fucking horrible and wrong that they just are the byproduct of it, right? <laughs> but... But something about it works because of the fucking vibrant personalities and craziness that the actors yeah. bring to it. 
I love the fucking bad guys in this movie. I think they're fun. Yeah. yeah. Like, they're really great. I love that. That I think it's the second scene with Top Dollar and his sister when he, like, has that giant plate of cocaine. He's like, yummy. I'm like, yeah. all right, we're doing that. And then, but there's just, he does so many things like and that. Whatever, he like, has amazing fucking comical one-liners. Yeah. I actually wrote down, I was like, this was Marvel before Marvel. Because <laughs> this movie's full of quips. Like, oh, it's great. The whole time, like, once Brandon Lee gets over the, I also wrote this down, I'm like, does the crow mind control guys into putting the makeup on? Right? Because, like, they're in the apartment. He's like, ah, he's going back. And he, like, yeah. knocks all the stuff off the vanity. And then very tortured while the crow sits on the mirror. He's like, eep. Opens the drawer and's like, he's like a little makeup pad. I think he's doing makeup. I was like, I think that has a did lot. Did the crow make him do that? I think the crow was playing the cure in his head and said, hey, let's do this. No, so. it's like when you work at Walmart. It's like, uh, blue shirt, buddy. Blue sh- <laughs> White face paint with black drips, buddy. Because, like, I was like, that's the. I laugh that uh, Brandon Lee's character has really weird reactions to grief. To me. Yeah. So it's like, I'm so sad. And then he's like, E-e-e-e-e. he's like, I better look like the ultimate warrior. But you know, it was weird. And then like, there's another scene where he's like, I'm so fucking sad. I'm going to go on the roof and shred guitar shred. before I murder. <laughs> and then he just fucking breaks the guitar. You're like, this movie is yeah, awesome. I love it. You're like, this is a rooftop Kurt Cobain kind of thing. It was, like, aw- this it was is, great. It's a fun, just nonsensical moment. <laughs> it's fantastic. Like there's literally that moment alone. You're like, this movie his- kicks his ass. reactions to grief are funny to me to where you're like, how much of this is the crow mind controlling his ass into behaving? This right. Way? <laughs> My, I think the scene in the movie that I fucking, and it's sad that this is the scene, but the scene with fun boy with Michael Massey, when he like the scene that he apparently got shot during like his, it's the reaction he has when he puts the, his hand on the gun. He goes, take your best shot. That's the scene he died. Yeah. I thought it was the big shootout with no, all no, the like no. 30 games. So it was in that scene. They like basically fucked up the cartridge so he essentially shot him with a primer round by accident from like 12 or 15 feet away. Like when he gets shot in the abdomen, that's not the. I don't think that's the take, but that's the shot that killed him. Cause I always thought I was like, there's like 50 guns in that scene. Yeah. Like maybe a little more explainable while you fucked up. You had no, one no. gun. No, Michael Massey. That's what Michael Massey. That's the only scene Michael Massey's in alone. Like yeah. that's why he is oh, fucked shit. up now. Okay. But, uh, his reaction when he shoots him in the hand, he goes, oh, and then he like smiles. So the guy's goes, yeah, gotcha, dude. And he's just smiling. like. <laughs> and then he it, looks through the bullet he hole. Like, ah. That's, but <laughs> like, see, that gets back to the madness of the crow. I love how I wrote down. I'm like, he's a straight psychopath. Like, no, it's yeah, awesome. It's, it's Heath Ledger, Joker light. Yeah. And what I like about it is there's, he's kind of matching the nihilism of the guys that took everything. Yeah. He had something to live for before. Now he doesn't. Well, he only has to and live it's for his almost vengeance. this, the fact that he's seemingly enjoying it and laughing his way through murdering as if he, he knows it doesn't matter. Right. It's not bringing anyone back. He's not making this world a better place. Right. That to me is a really fun little layer to this performance. Right. I agree. Which, yeah, I, I dub man. Um, also, one point just, of order. This, it's one of those things, too, where I was like, I love the characters and I like everything they do, but this world makes no sense to me. Oh, yeah. Like, there's no, like, just nothing. You can't imagine anyone living in this I don't world. understand why there are police in the city. It seems like they're completely yeah. ineffectual and meaningless. But you're like, where's, like, a school? Yeah. Where's a school? That girl doesn't go to school. Yeah. Like, that- do you ever send kids to school? No. And you're like, you know, where do you buy groceries? Yeah. Or does everyone just, like... Your restaurant of choice is a hot dog stand Maxi on dogs. the corner yeah. in the hood. 
I was like, because every block looks like the worst fucking neighborhood you've ever seen. Right. And so it's just the the world of this movie makes no sense. Like the bad guys plan to just like burn part of the city down for no gain. No. I'm like, it's not like a real estate scheme. It seems like it's just very strange. It's like, just anarchy. I yeah. love. I also love that. I love the nightclub he's in. Trash. Yeah. And, it's, <laughs> and I couldn't remember because like. It gets to that point where I'm like, are we going to get like a nine inch nails band? I didn't remember because I thought that's what it was. And then we get in there and it's just a fucking straight up like halfway between grunge and hair metal band just shredding. I'm like, this is 90s, man. Like, this is what felt a little hole. Yeah. Like, this is where we were at in the 90s. And this is like the whole point of the story is I, I fucking love how I fucking love how authentic they're how authentic it all is to being. And obviously it didn't have a choice, but it's authentic to being the nineties. Like it wants to tell you, you don't need to, we're not in the future. We're now. I right. love that. <laughs> but it feels like it could be a post-apocalyptic world. Absolutely. I mean, there's no more Mad Maxian vibes yeah. <laughs> in an American film I've ever seen than fucking, uh, the crow. I, there's something else I want to bring up, uh, about that giant plate of cocaine. I feel like that is a consistent bad guy motif. And I'm really, I really enjoy that. But well, if you're running an evil empire, you can't be like a heroin guy because yeah. you miss details. But like cocaine, cocaine speeds you, you up, makes you hyper prepared. Yeah. <laughs> but I love that like, it's always this mound and it's always the guy like he's never doing like the whole thing. He's not Scarface in it. He literally is just like dipping his pinky in. He goes, mm. Yeah, I love the motif of the mountain of cocaine because yeah. like you would just die. So I'm like, what do you just leave that out on like Wednesday? <laughs> it's Wednesday morning. Like, well, I got to go to like spend class, but. You know, I'll get back to I'll you. I'll get back to this. Cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you leave out like a bowl of apples. <laughs> By the way, the other 90s thing that's quintessential is the uh, his sister. I also didn't realize they were brother and sister until the middle of the movie. I totally forgot about that. Who was? Uh, Michael Wincott and his sister with the lips. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't realize that. I totally had forgotten that until like the big scene where they're like kind of nailing each other essentially. But uh, the lips... Her like '90s deep red with the like uh, line around your mm-hmm. lips, so you look your lips look like an asshole. Like that look. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I wonder if cover girl look like a butthole. <laughs> like, I wonder if that's actually how they marketed it. That look is so like. That look is so like Courtney Love '90s whole garbage. Like that whole look is so ingrained in the '90s. Hey I'll, fellas, if you ever wish your girl's face looked more like your butthole. Also, as far also as far as looks go, the Crow is the first guy to wear Under Armour in a movie. I think. Yeah, early Under early Armour. Under Armour. Early right? We talked about this the last time we watched the movie. Very early. Adopter. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, something I wanted to talk about is Crow has the weirdest superpower set. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about Ernie Hudson wearing his hat and his underwear. Ernie Hudson in this movie is the shit. He is. By the way, he is the greatest wisecracking cop. And I love that, like, he can't stop wisecracking even though he's ruined his entire yeah, life. I love his openly hostile attitude towards the police. Story. He goes, nice try. I just love that every scene with him is some cop like, get in here, beat cop. And he's just like, yeah. yep, whatever. Whatever. You know, that's your job, detective. It's like. <laughs> Get out of my office. Get, Get out, out of my of crime scene. Get out of my city. He is, Get out of my squad car. He's a police officer who, for some reason, gets kicked out of every police scene. <laughs> yeah, it's like I you don't, don't even it. make him like go question people. It's like, can you just 
fucking leave. <laughs> you're so annoying. Okay, you were saying the bizarre set of powers. Yeah, so the crow himself has insane powers in this movie, right? I mean, it's invulnerability. Invulnerability. He's got increased Healing. agility, right? At yeah. one point, he almost hangs off the ceiling Spider-Man style. Yeah. Right? He obviously has very heightened senses. He can, you know, catch knives, throw them back. True. Um, we He can see through the eyes of the crow. Right. Right? It, one of the craziest scenes is when uh, the kid, Darla's mom, is it Darla? The little oh, girl, the, the morphine thing? He fucking plucks Man. all the drugs from her wound? That scene. That's a crazy fucking power. That scene, too, just fucking gets me every time. Like, when he says that that line, like, mother is the name of a god for ch- all the lost children, I'm like, fuck. You know what bothers but, me, though? There's something intense about that. He that- talks like that guy. Yeah. There are guys that we've all met who kind of started to dress a little bit like that. Right. You know what I mean? And but then see, they're like, oh, I read this on a fucking tea box. But he, <laughs> but he's the first one to do that. All yeah. the rest of the copycats. I, but I just love that. Also you're like, did you know that before? Or is this the crow like, say the sweet burn? The crow's like sending telepathic like burns to him. I just love like his whole. That whole scene in general is great because it starts with the fun boy thing. And he's like, look what you've done to my sheets. So that happens. And then he's like, hey, mom, get your shit together. Yeah. Like, there's something about that that is that that goes beyond like revenge. Like, it's like he's obviously brought back for vengeance. But then there's this other side of him that's still Eric Draven. He's like, but I want to protect this kid. See, I, I think it's perfectly in line with revenge in a way right because one of the things he lost was not just his wife but they were kind of parents to that girl that's true so in a way it's a, a father gifting her a mother again right which is i kind of yeah. like that right and that's actually one of my favorite scenes is when she's cooking breakfast the yeah. next day and the kid is such a bitch to her right about yeah. and, and with good reason sure no, yeah. and the mom's just like fuck it i've never been good at this mom shit and just right. that one moment of, I like him this way, mom, the eggs. And you see a moment, and it's actually like sunny through the window, I think. It is. It's one of the first moments we were like, something could work out. It's like the only moment in the movie with sunlight, by the way. Yeah. Like, literally the and it's, only moment. It's a really nice, like, lovable moment, right? Yeah. It, it's very sweet. I, I like that moment a lot. Me too. And so you, you start playing in with these superpowers he has. Like, that's one of them. That's... That's a crazy power to be able to take that. It's pretty cool. In the end, he essentially has like fucking the same power oh, as Ghost that's Rider. That's the coolest thing ever. He does he like the penance me- stare. Yeah, he can melt your brain. Like I'll give you thirty hours of misery. That's awesome. Like he's got awesome powers. Great powers. Like great powers in this movie used very well in the movie. Right. Yeah. So we've been through a lot of this kind of, you know, getting through the story. He's picking these guys off one by one. Right. Really cool, elaborate murders, like stabbing the guy with all the knives, the car The guy with all the needles. The needles were cool. Basically, he, everybody gets killed by their vice. Yeah. Like, that's really what it is. And I like when he shows up uh, to the big gangster awesome. rally, right? Really cool. And he's kind of just like, give me that one criminal. Yeah. And that's a really cool moment, right? Because he's saying, you're all fucking horrible people. But, but I, I only care for him. Yeah. Which is one of those cool moments where it shows his mission, right? Yeah. He's not necessarily like Superman would never just like let those other guys no. go on. With He's like, shit. I just want that. One. Yeah. I just want that fucking guy who did that to my wife. I also wonder if it was a directing choice if it was Brandon Lee when he like tosses the chair aside and sits cross legged on the table. I'm like, yeah. that's a really cool like 
like that's a really cool thing for a character to like there's an interesting character choice like it's not sitting at the head of the table it's like i'm here yeah be present he went for it man brandon lee fucking went for it in this movie and it all works for me it does he's so fascinating when he's on did you know okay this is an interesting fact brad uh um brandon so after brandon lee died they only had three days of filming left with him and it was all the um it basically was all the flashback stuff so that's why you see a lot of it from him from behind Mm -hmm. but his stunt double did it all his stunt double is a guy named chad uh chad stahelski who is one of the guys who created and co-directed John Wick. Right. Like that's like that's one of those like weird old Hollywood things I totally forget about and then I watched it again and like you know you're just not paying attention you watch through the credits you're like holy shit. It's fucking guy who did John Wick. Like those like little things. But what's also nice is you realize this is a guy who's come out and made some really uh really great choices with like action movies, but he's also someone they're like we have to finish this movie because that guy died like I think I think Brandon Lee died I want to say like five days before they were supposed to be done shooting and all that stuff. And they're like, we need to finish this, like to honor his memory and that kind of thing. Right. Like, and that's really kind of the legacy I think of the crow in general too, is you've never seen a movie where an actor, like other than like until the dark Knight, probably you've never seen a movie where an actor's like so honored by the role he's playing, even when it's like kind of a fucked up character, kind of a strange character, but like, it just makes you so sad for what could have happened. Like, yeah, past like that. I would have loved to have seen sequels to this world. Me too. Right? Um, yeah, I just I think what he did was so good. And it's again, it's we talk about this a lot. There are a lot of movies that have things we like in them, but they fail for little things. Yeah. One of those little things is not having the side characters. Right. Mm hmm. And I love in that shot, too. There's this great moment where is he starting to kill all those gangsters. Right. Yeah. Uh, Fucking you know, urban Dracula or whatever fucking runs out of the room. Right. And immediately you see in him that now he has a goal. Right. Right. Now his, his chaos and anarchy is focused on something. Right. Which is a weird change for him. So then we get these fucking, this great church showdown, right? So Draven is actually ready to go to the grave, right? He's He's done. He's he's completed his mission. He's weeping for his wife. All this dude has to do is just get the fuck out of the way. Why do you think that uh, fucking Tommy Wiseau does not just let it be? Do you think he doesn't believe the crow? Do you think he really thinks he can take that power? Or does he just, I think he can't stand that someone is doing that to him? Well, I think it has less to do with him and much more to do with his sister. Like his sister is the weird one who said, like his sister is the weird one who like burns eyes and they inhale the ashes and shit like that. Like, (laughs) (laughs) Like to me, like when she plucks, she plucks the feather. She's like, the crow is the key. Like that's how, like she wanted his power, not him. He just wants anarchy. Like Michael Wincott's like top dollars, whole mode of the entire movie never changes. Top dollars always wanted. He wants anarchy. He wants the whole thing to burn down. His sister's the one who wants the mythic power. She wants the ability to go beyond the grave. Like she sees something else in the magic of the crow. So I think for him to, I mean, granted, and that's really kind of what I think his motivation is. It's his, it's love for your family. It's misguided belief that your family is correct. See, I I feel like there's a part of him Imagining that character getting the powers that the crow has to be an indestructible man who only wants to sow destruction, I think is an interesting idea, right? To imagine what it would have been like if he got it. Um, I love the church scene. I think it's very fun. One thing I did say is I was like, this fucking crow 
has got to stop fucking up. <laughs> so the crow is the only weakness of the crow. Yeah. Right? Don't land on the fucking pew. Which, by the way... Like, why not just fucking circle the rafters? <laughs> apparently, that is not in the comics. I didn't know that. The comics is very different as far as the crow goes. Yeah, uh, I mean, there's a lot in this. Again, I think the but crow... I th- Definitely has a fetish for face makeup and quips. But, I think that's all from him. Oh, no, I mean the actual crow itself. Like, the actual yeah, crow. No, I think yeah. the crow's giving him those. I think he only puts that makeup on because the crow's like, I think this will look dope. Oh, <laughs> but no, uh, I agree. But why are you why, landing on the pew? Circle. Yeah, also, her. here's the other thing. Stop landing and going, Gah! before the crow can jump in and start karateing people. Yeah, like, come on. Stop blowing it. Don't, don't, He's a Robin. Yeah. He's a Robin who is a weakness. Crow is the Robin. Like, what if Boon Batman sends Robin in to take all the bullets and be a bad guy? Right. If Robin got shot, Batman died. There wouldn't be a Robin anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, why can't you land on the rafters? You're a bird. You can yeah, fly. I don't understand that. I mean, if I then do. the bird gets shot and he's like, oh, no, I'm, it's now one I'm of, vulnerable. It's one of those, like, <laughs> convenient plot things. You're just like, all right. But I think it was fine. But I'm just like this. But that's crow, what's interesting about Brandon Lee's portrayal. Like, do you of the think crow. this is a normal crow? Like any crow can do this? Is this like an old witch who turned into a crow? Like no, this is like one of the crows on like uh, this is like one of the crows on the tree of life in Thor. Like this is one of the <laughs> like this is like Zeus or like this is know. like one of uh, this is one of Odin's birds. Yeah, he for can sure. turn himself into an animal and live forever amongst humans. Exactly. Because that's why I'm like. You fucking dummy crow. Like, you've definitely been through this before. <laughs> There's actually a shot in the movie, and I don't know if this was an accident. There's a shot, and I think it's right before the shootout at the gangster meeting, right? Right. We're flying with the crow, right? We're soaring over the city, right? As we soar below in one of the like, areas above the street between two buildings, another crow flies beneath him, and then we cut back to a shot of our crow, so we know it's not the same one. And to me, I was like, I I think it's an accident. But I was like, I like the idea that there's like 25 of these dudes out Multiple there. Multiple crows. Yeah. It's devil's night. Crows rise. Yeah, like there's some crows, right? And they were fucking in like an old abandoned Walmart. Right. And someone burned down their building and like ruined their nest and all their eggs. And they're like, that's it. Next year. Devil's night, baby. So like it's like Hitchcock's The Bird, but with more motive. With more motive, yeah. <laughs> all right. I was like, the other crow, I was like, I love the idea that there are just all these crows using us as like human fucking meat puppets to exact revenge on humans that may have destroyed their nest and eggs. I buy that. I mean, that makes sense to me. It's cool. But yeah, I, uh, I like, and it's hard to say to summarize this movie, right? Like, I think the villain gets a really cool, awesome death. Um, there's no fucking mincing, words with the problem of oh am i a good guy because i kill people no he knows he's not good or bad he's not concerned about the greater picture right he has a mission right like something so egregious was done to me i must handle it um i like it man it's just it's a fucking simple straightforward revenge tale and it works and they created a character whose visual iconography is insane right and they gave us side characters that are so fun to fuck i mean this is the thing it's like they let us loose in a fucking madhouse i mean and it's fun as shit to be in there again i think like this speaks to because i think they're finally going to be able to maybe make like they've been trying to remake this movie and they're remaking it, it with momoa dude yeah he's a fucking perfect choice i agree but like for as years as long as he doesn't do the monster energy yeah right and they <laughs> like for years they've been trying to figure out how to remake this movie but i think it speaks to the actual way the movie's made in general which is to me 
it's the most authentic comic book movie. I've never watched a movie other than maybe like, like Sin City is like a by the book, like let's watch the panels move. Mm-hmm. But like, that's, that's Robert Rodriguez doing something he knows how to do already. Like, mm-hmm. I think the crow is what's, what's the crow is true adaptation. The crow's taking what's great about comics and what's great about the visual medium itself and saying, listen, these things work. This probably won't. So let me show you how to make a great movie with the visuals that I already see in front of me. Like that's taking the visuals and elevating them to another level. Like that's what's made. That's what makes a great comic book adaptation is taking those visuals and not just repeating them, but making them something more than they already were. And I think that's, what's really great about what Alex Proyas does directing, Mm. what Brandon Lee does in his uh, performance. Like, and then yeah, the rogues gallery themselves is just so much fun to watch. And it's such a great, way to tell tell a revenge tale yeah well the visual iconography can only go so far right at the end of the day they give us a like brandon lee's performance is fascinating because he goes so fucking balls deep on the insanity of it right but yet there's a lot of heart like that great moment when the girl's like i thought you cared and he appears in the window and he's like i do it's there's just some heartwarming moments when he saves that girl's mom and sends her home, and you're like, we, she might have a mom again, but kind of this. I love there's the... there's heart behind it, right? So there's just enough of that, and then the the rogues are fun. Every side character in this movie is phenomenally good. There's just enough of that. There's just enough violence. Like when he when he's at Gideon's pawn shop and he loads that shotgun with engagement right? rings. I'm like, <laughs> what a great visual, man! Yeah. Like he's like, each one of these is a life you stole. I'm like, fuck, dude, that is like really good. Like it's super good. '90s intensity, man. Yeah. And then, I mean, just everything about the visuals in this movie just make me fucking excited. It makes yeah. me excited to see makes me excited to see a good version of this done again, which would be really cool. Yeah, I just I feel like they might not capture the magic of this anymore. Well, yeah. um, it'll be different to see how they go about it, but I, I think the world and the character are really good. They are right, but you know, it's will they put the time in on the side characters? Sure. Will we get too much? I mean, it's just it's this perfect mix of everything you kind of want to be fun. Right. The good action, the the visual impressiveness, this really fucking cool kind of time capsule soundtrack. Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's just it's a fucking I don't know if you noticed really the, fun ride. I don't know if you noticed how Daredevil stole from uh, the crow with the burned <laughs> the burned uh, insignia. Yeah. I'm like. Real nice Except day. for the the crow has eyeballs. Crow, yeah. <laughs> the crow can actually see where he's spraying lighter right, exactly. fluid. <laughs> it's not just a squiggly line. It's just, just braille dots. <laughs> Someone go touch that fire and tell me what it says. I, uh, yeah, man. All right, here's my question to you. Kind of to get to, uh, get on to another point, though. So Brandon Lee apparently was supposed to be Johnny Cage in that Mortal Kombat movie that came out. And yes. then, but then he died. What movie do you think Brandon Lee could have been in? Because obviously he seemed like he was going to be a genre actor. So is there a movie that you could have seen Brandon Lee that you could see Brandon Lee in based on this performance later on down the line? Brandon Lee movie. Okay, so we're in the mid nineties. We're yeah, this is ninety four. So going up through like we're not seeing a lot of superhero movies yet, but there's definitely a lot of do action. You think there's. Are you asking me, do you think he could have played like a superhero had they started a little earlier? Sure. Like superhero or I mean, any like any action or superhero genre film that we saw up through like early 2000s. Is there anything that maybe he could have done? Do you think would have been better than someone else's performance? Because I've been racking my brain watching that after watching that movie. I'm like, who should Brandon Lee have been 
right. going forward. Because he would have been a big star, honestly. <clears throat> See, I don't know that he would have been a big star, right? Like, to me, he's not a Lambert, right? Like, Christopher Lambert was just kind of the perfect guy at the right time, and Highlander just became such a fucking perfect cult classic movie. But then none of his other shit works, right? Right, but I see Do, I similarity don't think Brandon Lee's is bad as that. Right? I don't like, think so He either. has some actual chops here. Yeah. I To me, I feel like he never would have matched The Crow, sadly. Like, I think that's the performance that it would have always I think been chasing. It's the performance that would have made him a star. So you get the action. You get that. Like, here's a good role he would have been suited for. The Matrix. Yes. Like, I think he would have been a fine Neo. Mm-hmm. But the problem is he wouldn't have been better than Keanu. And some of what Brandon brings to it, right, is this vibrance. Right. I think he has the look and the skill set and the personality to do The Matrix. But it's like when, you know, Will Smith could have been in The Matrix. Like, Will Smith's an amazing actor. That shit would not have worked. Right. Right? But to me, something like that would have been where you hope to catch... Like, could Brandon Lee have been kind of doing what Keanu is doing now? Like, that kind of guy right. in those action sci-fi movies? Maybe. But to me... Whereas Keanu Reeves, it's weird, right? Like, he did uh, Bill and Ted. You're like, well, that's it for him. Right. And then Speed. And then, oh, now he's Neo. Right. Oh, now he's John Wick. Like, that might be what he's always known for. Right. I don't know that Brandon Lee would have been that guy. Right. And I'm not saying he would have. I'm saying right. that as we go further, like, we're looking at this guy and we're looking at this one movie he did that really, like, took us all by surprise. Mm-hmm. I obviously, I mean, I don't think there's any way around the fact that this would have been the movie he'd always have been known for. Right. It's his first big starring right. role. It's the thing that right. he burst on the scene. And with. this is what he would be cast off of. Right. So <laughs> you're watching The Crow and you know that that's the thing that the guy can do. Like, Let's say he did not. Let's say he turned down Johnny Cage. Here's an interesting one for you. Go. What if he had replaced Keanu in Constantine? Because this movie, he has very much that devil may care, telling a lot of fucking wisecracks, all that. Mm. What if that was him? Because Keanu, honestly, that's the part of Constantine he did not have at all. Was kind of the, you know, devil may care, fuck it all. You know, laughing in the face of death every day. Yeah, he was very. Keanu was very. A little more. A little more tortured. (laughs) I mean, like eh. that would have been one of those like that could have been a cool movie worked. for him. Yeah, to I'll give you in. that. Like, I think I think in those weird kind of genre spaces, he could have definitely found room. You know who I, but be- I think it would have been in those kind of like comedic type of things. Could be that. I also think he would have made a great villain like in a Blade movie. Probably would have been, it would have been a good blade. He would have yeah. been a good blade villain. Like he would have been a good Deacon Frost, I think. And I love Stephen well, Dorff. Yeah, like him instead of fucking uh Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. That would have fit. I think it would have been Although fun. by that point, Wesley Snipes was not even on set anymore. <laughs> you know, he was living in space. But yeah, so I, I think he would have found... I think he would have found it, man. I think he would have found his thing. Like, I, think I think he so would Like, he could have made a good Nightcrawler in an X-Man movie. Hmm. Like, there, there's a lot of stuff that guy could do. He would have been good as and that. That's the, that's the question, right? Like, he's so burned into my mind as the crow right it's hard to think of him yeah in another like, realm what would he have been and to me it was like he he pulled this thing right like in that movie where he could have just been like you know the makeup model right or whatever the crow guy you know he he pulled a lot of charm out of that and a lot of fun and so those are the roles i would have looked to to me down the road there's something about him that screams like the roles that ben foster for instance gets put in like Ben Foster's to me like one of a, it's a great underrated actor. Like oh, one of the 
he's underrated. This <laughs> absolute, like this absolutely insane chameleon type guy. But I feel also feel like he and Ben Foster share this sort of similar, based on what I've seen from the Crow and based on what I've seen from Ben Foster going forward. Like they sort of share the same similar manic trait within the roles Ben Foster's played and the Crow. Yeah. I see. So I see those guys. Like you could probably do a couple of movies. Yeah. Between those two, I don't think Brandon Lee brings the fucking weight. No, not at all. That, that's like, where it's different, right? Ben that's Foster, where he's more of a genre. Ben Foster's though. got the chops for what yeah, he does. He's so fucking. Insane. He's amazing. <laughs> but you know, think it's like he would have been good in. You know, there was a lot of vampire movies back then. Yeah. You know, what if he played Lestat in something? Right. Ooh. Like do Queen of the Damned. We've been really good as Queen, Queen of the Damned. Yeah. You know I mean, that movie itself was not great. But Brandon Lee would have been like a very obvious choice to cast in that Absolutely. kind of movie. Uh, I think there would have been a lot of fun opportunities, man. Like, uh, it's just sad. It's it fucking sad that we'll never know. Um, yeah, I just it's this, such a this one will be one movie. of those movies that there are a lot of comic book movies and movies like this mm-hmm. that just you don't remember a lot or won't be there. This is one of those I feel like I'll always come back to this movie totally. every so often. It's on Hulu right now if you haven't watched it in a while or ever. Like I don't it, it might not be by the time this airs. We'll I think see. it's expiring. But God it's bless. easy to find and if you have to pay like ten dollars to own this digitally, Worth fucking it. do it. This it's, movie's great. It's very good. Like it's yeah. really the beginning of a great version of genre. And like especially if you like Alex Proyas movies, especially if you love Dark City, this is like a great opener for what dark city became right i would always suggest this movie it's a fantastic revenge story and it's also just a great comic book adaptation it's just so much fucking fun but done in the right way like it's fucking heavy heavy it has a little bit of funny like you fucking feel emotion while you're yeah you're on this insane fucking ride you know what i mean like it reminds me of just being strapped in the car like fuck boy totally and you're just flying down the street and like while that's crazy and fun you're also being like this is very heavy and i'm contemplating mortality <laughs> it's that's how the audience uh, that scene right there is we're flying out the dock that's how i feel watching the crow i would agree with that assessment <laughs> uh yeah check it out it's a blast man pun intended um again <laughs> Uh, again, we are part of the Audio Rope Network. If you uh, feel so inclined, check out some other podcasts. We're all over the internet. Rate and review our show. Uh, we hope you guys like the way we do these long boxing shows. I'm having a good time doing it this way. Send us some suggestions for movies you'd like to see us talk about. Please. We and they help don't have you... to be straight superhero movies. Not Maybe at all. a film that's adjacent that we could learn something about how to make a comic book movie like. Whatever you guys want us to do, that's what we want to give you. We so want to give you guys ideas. your show. It's your show as much as it is, as much as it is ours, and we want to give you the show that you want. Uh, from the long box sessions, I'm Alex Campion. And I'm Josh Griffey. See you next time, folks. <laughs>